Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. continues and the weather ain't doing anyone any good now admit it to you i've never been one to run from my problems i am deeply affected by the weather and i'll take duval because for the most part you get probably 300 good days a year but this week uh, and I do think it has something to do with the Jaguars losing. I really do. I'm really not psychotic, as far as you know, or really not uh, into superstitions or conspiracies or any of that. But when the Jags lose a game the way they did, you aren't going to show up here this week and have it be 85 degrees, sun blaring, blazing. No, you are going to get cold and and rain, and, and the sun is gone. As we I, Again, I feel like I'm back in Chicago, uh, for crying out loud. I, I say it all the time. It was actually a point in my life where I went one month without seeing the sun, and, and that is not radio embellishment. That's true. Well, you're getting it here, and, and, and you as a diehard Jaguar fan, I, I, I feel you. I, I can feel it right now. It's kind of like you earned it, and this is the way it's supposed to be. You know, misery loves company. It'll get better sooner or later. I don't hop on the Doppler. I just ask JJ, what's it going to be like? I know this. The last three rounds of golf I've scheduled, I've been rained out. Not a good start to the 2000. And what are we in now? 24? 2024. Getting ready for another lap around this great planet. And we begin 2024 in a very awkward situation. Sounds a little bit like this. Your Jacksonville Jaguars are half pregnant. They really are. It's a dysfunctional franchise. It's a poorly run franchise. And I will give them credit for making changes. You had to do something. You can't be 8-3, and three, then 9-8, and eight, and go into the offseason without changes. But are they the right changes? Are they, cor- are they the correct changes? The, the two guys right now, I don't, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere in our great city, and you can go to the Burbs, and you can walk into a, uh, let's see here, you, you can walk into uh, the Lions Club. You can walk into a, uh, help me out here, what are some of the other kind of, uh, I, I, I even forget the names of them that are kind of like private clubs. Um, like the VFW? Yes, yes, a VFW. I or used the to Shriners. Ha- yes. The Shriners were those little hats. I used to have one in walking distance the first time I bought a house uh, in the suburbs of Chicago out towards Gurney and the Wisconsin border uh, because the ex-wife needed a brand new house. <laughs> Just the best of everything. She thought I was Trump for crying out loud with my bankroll. So, but anyway, it, it, they had a train, right? About a mile down the road, mile and a half down the road was a, was a train station, which was phenomenal because it was very easy access uh, to get into the city. And there's real traffic in Chicago. 
you don't have real traffic here in Jacksonville. What you have is a bunch of morons who don't know how to drive, okay? And especially a bunch of people who have no clue how to merge. This is the worst merge town I've ever been in. But you don't get a lot of traffic around here, okay? I'm telling you, I grew up in Boston. I live in Chicago. That's traffic. No traffic here. Again, you got a lot of morons out there. Uh, that are driving. But if you were to go anywhere, any one of those type of places, any type of uh, saloon, salon, maybe you want to get your nails done, maybe you want to get your toenails done, any of that stuff. Got a massage today, by the way. JJ, middle now, well, of the day. We're talking like a regular above board massage. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm only going to tell you about no, my Robert underground. Craft I'm only going to tell you about my underground massages during the break. You don't think I'm going to come out on the air and do that, do you? It is a Tuesday night. It's late. And uh, it's a one-hour appointment. It was actually a gift certificate that was given to me by, by a friend. So I went in there today, and everything today is computerized. They throw this tablet at me, and there's like 75 questions and 17 signatures, and I got to hit this box. I'm hitting boxes like, are you pregnant? Okay. Is it all right if we touch your uh, glutes? Uh, and, and by the way, I'm, I, all of a sudden, I keep failing the registration part of it. And finally, I'm like, ma'am, can you fill this out any way you want? All I know is it's now 1.15. I've missed 15 minutes of my one-hour massage because I can't figure out your registration. But anyway, that was good. That was fun. I was doing a lot of thinking, a lot of deep thought thinking. Uh, today. And again, no matter where it is that you go, if you were to ask Jaguar fans, what's the biggest problem? They're going to tell you Trent Baalke. And then number two, they're going to tell you it's Press Taylor. After that, number three, anyone goes. It could be Trevor Lawrence. It could be Doug Peterson. And then somewhere after that, it becomes Mike Caldwell. And, And I'm not trying to get away from what happened there. Again, it had to happen. You had to make changes uh, to this football team. But I started really analyzing everything, and my brain was really working, and I was thinking just how the disconnect remains between Shad Khan and his fan base. He's got a publicist, Mr. Woodcock. Uh, know him very well. Um, he's got a lot of people that, take him from point A to point B and point C and point D. And everywhere Shad goes, he makes money and he makes more money. And he's got company after company and he employs all these people and he's a real generous human being and he's a, an outstanding guy. But it's, it's simple. This is all that you had to do. Let this thing blow out for a day or two. Then announce the firing of Trent Bulky. Let Doug Peterson announce the firing of any coaches on his staff. At that point, Shad Khan holds a press conference, and what he does is he apologizes to the great fans of Jacksonville. Thank you. Your outstanding effort this year, whether it was over in London, whether it was the games here at the bank, whether it was the most as far as fans consistently on the road at each and every place they played football games, the fan base is growing. Thank the fans and say, we expect more out of this team. 
you're doing your part. We will not accept being eight and three and then losing the second half of the season and not make it to the playoffs. So here's what we're doing. We're rebuilding. I'm in search of right now a new general manager. Doug Peterson is in search of right now his coaching staff. We are going to provide a winner for you, the Jaguar fans. And we're going to build the new stadium. I can't tell you how many I've received as far as the, that's it, I'm done. I'm not going anymore. I'm not buying season tickets. I'm not supporting this team. You know there's going to be a point this year where they're going to come and ask you for money. They're going to begin this process for either a facelift or to completely build a new one. If you did it the right way. Again, it's simple common sense. And it's a complete lack of understanding who your audience is. To every single one of you right now who is so peeved, if you handled it that way and said, this is unacceptable, I'm making changes, we're getting better, we're going to get to a Super Bowl, but we need the homes. If you put that in order, one, two, and three, my guess is the majority of you overwhelmingly would be like, you know what? First of all, you'd be totally shocked. Secondly, you'd be like, I think he gets it. I think he finally understands what is going on around here. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not dumb enough to, okay, yeah, when you're in this particular position, you should listen to your fans. Fans are always of the knee-jerk reaction. Twitter during the game on Sunday was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had uh, following that during a football game. Okay, and I made a comment with about two minutes to go that if Jacksonville was to come back and win that game, if they scored a touchdown, completed the two-point conversion, went into overtime and won, it would have been one of those deals where you looked at Twitter in-game, and I understand every game, college or pro around here, and for that part, you know, for the most part, all across uh, the football landscape, that, that that's the way it is. But I am pretty in tuned or at least I have been the last couple of years since I'm no longer the Jaguar sideline reporter, as to what's being said in-game. It was filthy from the first quarter on. I, I can't remember it as being as bad as it was this past weekend. And I kind of joked that everyone's going to delete their earlier comments if the, if the Jags come back and win the game. Obviously, uh, that did not take place. And, and I'm not saying that as an owner of a team, That is where you should be looking or you should be listening to us. He's a brilliant man. He's a multi-billionaire. But he doesn't know what's going on with his fan base. And that would have been the right way to go through with it. Okay? And I'm not saying step up and announce that he's paying for it. I'm saying just simply we're making changes. We're going to be more than competitive. Here comes a new GM. Peterson's bringing in the new coaches. And we're going to be in the hunt for a stadium. I think realistic fans would have looked at it that way and said, damn, this is impressive. Now look at it. You, I mean, there's a black cloud over this city, literally and figuratively speaking. And all of a sudden, it's going to sneak into you one day, right? It's going to be April or it's going to be May. And I get it as well. Every week that goes by, every month that goes by, 
is you out there, they're going to be, you know, we're going to be in the middle of May and you're going to be, oh, my God, I can't wait. I just can't get through life anymore. It's only May. I got to go through May and June and July until we get to August. And once you get to August, the preseason games become a bore and you need September. Okay. That's always driven me crazy. But that's how a lot of you are in a one horse town. So at one point, they're going to sneak that in the conversations, the meetings. You know, let's deliberate. What do you want? What does this city need? How much money are you going to ask for? It's going to come. But it's going to come now in what I mark as, as really a lost year. I mean, good luck going and asking the people now for money after what they just showed you on the field. Again, if you put a tiny bit of thought into it and made the changes that need to be made, then it would have been an easier process. But they did not. And that is why your Jacksonville Jaguars do remain half pregnant as we begin and head towards, uh, I guess now what? We are deep into week two of the 2024 offseason. All right, so we got a lot to look at. Uh, Shots were fired by an anonymous coach. Uh, Josina, I think it was Josina Anderson with the report. Quote, the solutions are leaving, the problems are staying. So the defensive coaches with some shots or, or one defensive coach um, with a comment. Uh, I hate to even give it credence because it's an anonymous quote. I'd, I'd like to put a name to it, but I understand that whoever it was who said it is now in the process of looking uh, for a new job. Um, but obviously there was some division there. And, and frankly, I think that's a good thing. If people are leaving without saying something, then that's even that much more of a problem. I I really am. And JJ and I talked about this yesterday. I was on my way to the press conference and I had an issue. All right. And I just, if I knew there were going to be 30 plus minutes, right, I would have, I I would have gone with it, but I didn't. So I, I freaking pulled over. And anyway, I was peeved by it because I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I was able to see it on, uh, on Jaguars.com, but I wanted to be there. You know, I, I always like to be at the season-ending uh, press conference. I, I don't think too many people thought that we would have it at 3 o'clock on a Monday. I thought most people thought it would be instead a, a last look at Tennessee and a quick preview of this weekend's playoff game against Cleveland. It, it, was, it was anything but. Uh, but Doug Peterson, I believed him. I think it was Mia who asked the question. But I, I believed him when he said, I need to – decide on this when when talking about the coaches I don't think he had the poker face that apparently he showed at that moment and then what two hours later three hours later yeah we what that was at 330 340 when he said it and we were on the air at 640 so that's three hours later right when we heard that the defensive coaches or most of the defensive coaches were let go. It, it leads me to believe what happened from the time he stepped out of that press conference until the time that that was announced, unless he really is all about Tom Foolery and, and just said what he said and who cares, you know, let's move on, and he just pulled the trigger on it. I, I don't know. Uh, did Shad Khan get to him? Did Shad Khan force something like this? I I would love to say yes, but I don't know the answer 
you know, effectively to that question. It's always felt like Shad's been hands-off, right? The really only hands-on thing I can think of that Sean's ever done, well, firing Gus Bradley in Houston was Bush League. Right? And I've spoken to Dave Caldwell about that and others about that. I mean, to fire him and then put him on the plane and have Gus walk up and down and thank everyone, including myself, on the plane was, was really – it was really Bush League. And again, that, that's a reflection of this organization, right? As I've said from the beginning, it's a bad organization. It's an organization that, that has to get better. And it wasn't good then. It was a losing operation. It's not any better now, okay? Um, Trent Bulky's not the guy to lead this football team. And why Shad Khan cannot understand that shocks me. The two most important things that you need in football, in my opinion, to win are a quarterback and you need to be incredibly physical in the ditch. The Jaguars had the worst offensive line in the NFL and their interior defensive line this year was awful. And that's being kind. They were awful. Devon Hamilton, awful. Big Foley, not nearly as good as a year ago. RRH was probably your best. You know, you're asking guys like Lacey and Ledbetter to take snaps, um, Blackson to take snaps, um, Gotsis to give you some snaps. No. And that's a failure. And when you look at his drafts over the last couple of years and what he's done in the second and third round, and you see that those guys can barely get on the field. Chad Muma can't get on the field. It was a lost season for Brenton Strange. It was a lost season for Tank Bigsby. It was a lost season for Ventrell Miller. That, that's failure. That's object failure. Okay? You needed help on the offensive line. You needed help on the defensive line. And he failed. There's no other way to say it. You failed. Yet, They're paying out all this money with all these fired coaches. And they could just simply fire one guy, the GM, and then rebuild this thing. So that's where I am with it. Uh, It's better than it was because changes have been made. But still, this thing is going to linger the entire offseason because the two folks that people want out of here most are still employed. That's, tank, you know, that's Trent Bulky and that is Press Taylor. And you don't react to what the fans want. But you also have to be open-minded enough to understand that it's not working. <laughs> You've made drastic mistakes. And they haven't fixed it. So that was very concerning for this football team. And we're going to talk to you about it tonight exclusively. We're going to give you full opportunity to get on in time. We're going to grab calls. That's 641-1010. That is 641-1010. Also allow you to get in on the text line. Same number brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, 641-1010. I will tell you that opening comments tonight and every night are brought to you by Neil, uh, Dr. Neil Schmunez and Schmunez Vision. Family organization out at the beach. They focus on personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Everything that you can possibly think of from normal eye examinations to things that are far more serious. How about cataract surgery? First of all, you may not need cataract surgery. You may have just an issue that could be fixed with 
another remedy. It's, it's amazing what they have and the quality of the practice that they have been about here for quite some time. Dr. Neil Schmunez performed surgery on my right eye eight and a half years ago. There's never been an issue. There's never been a setback. What I want you to do is look at them online, schmunezvision.com. That is schmunezvision.com. Everything right there is explained to you and your family, grandparents, all the way down to your grandkids. Absolutely. This is your one stop. So check them out today, schmunezvision.com. Care you can say. All right, let's let up these lines. Let's give you an opportunity. Come on. Come on, Jacksonville. I understand you're upset. The opportunity is for you right now. 641-1010 is the call line. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hi, it's good to have you with us right here. It is a Tuesday edition tomorrow night. Make that Thursday and Friday as well. Back to our regularly scheduled program, 6 till 8. Going to give you the chance tonight to voice your opinion, whether it is a uh, a bad thing or a really bad thing. If it's a good thing, that'll be somewhat of a shock, but certainly you're allowed to make that opinion as well. Let's grab some phone calls. Let's kick it off by going to Leo, who goes into the night. Welcome. Hey, Rick Ballou, Happy New Year. You too. And, uh, thanks for, thank, thank you for taking my call. And uh, I'm going to just say this. I'm not going to curse on your program, but the views I have and opinions I have is not a reflection of you or 1010XL. Okay? I appreciate you having me on. Um, <laughs> you, are, you are 100% spot on. Okay? I'm going to just take it a step further. I know you didn't say that this is my opinion. I put all this on Shad Khan, every bit of it. I wouldn't have fired none of the coaches. I, and, and what you said was spot on. But let me tell you something. I don't believe Shaq Khan cares about this city. I don't believe he cares about the fans, I mean. He's not in tune with what we want. And it's not about what, what we want, okay? But do you remember the games at home this year that they kept losing? And what do we say after the games? How do they have no energy? Why are they so lethargic? How do you how are you not enthused for this game? It's like they wanted to be anywhere but at that bank on Sundays. Like, we don't care about you fans. You know, that's and that comes from the top to me. Because if you were the owner, I would have been down on the field saying, hey, let's make sure we win these games for the fans. But you don't see none of that. And I'm going to also tell you this. You can't build a football team if you always firing your coaches, firing your GMs, and giving people like Nick Foles $50 million. You got a clown down there in your organization, like you said, it's a bad organization, stealing $20 million, right? Buying Teslas and condos and watches, but we can't bring no free agents in here. Every time I look up, it's we don't have no money. We don't have no salary cap. Nobody wants to play here. You can't, you, you know how many good players we've let walk out of this franchise? Since 2012, he's got the worst home record. Uh, Mike DiRocco put that out in 2017. Nothing's changed. He don't care about this year. All he's trying to do is make change. He's too focused on the city and trying to get a stadium and trying to get his hands on more money. And you already said he's a businessman. He's just trying to make more money. He don't care about his football team. Go down there and put some emphasis on your football team, man. Stop trying to sit here and squeeze us for more money and more money. Dude, I don't like him as an owner. I'm sorry. The other owner, Wayne Weaver, he liked this team because he was from this general area. This man don't care about us, dude. And that's and it shows how his organization is run. All right, Leo, got, we got to go. You you made your point. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question about it. Thanks for getting in. 6401-1010. Leo opens up a line. Really? And, and I bet he feels better now. 
because I, let me tell you something. Getting it out is an unbelievable effect. Uh, it's, it's better than a drug. It is. It, it feels good to unwind. And it feels good to get off your chest what you feel you need to get off your chest. He's probably having a cigarette right now. Shot Khan is a hands-off owner. <laughs> I mean, he is. He's a hands-off owner. Um, and I don't know if he's a football guy. So maybe it's smart for him to be a hands-off owner. I, I tell you what's worse is the owner who dabs into everything and doesn't know what's going on. That's worse than what Jacksonville has. And there's been a lot of them, okay, in a lot of different sports where the owner gets involved and, you know, he tells the general manager this and he tells the coach that. And, no, I, I think you need a medium a little bit. That's why I began this show tonight by hypothetically saying what Shad Khan could have done. He could have become – it could have been a 180 for him. But he missed the opportunity. And I don't know why he missed the opportunity. To me, it all goes back to Trent Bulky. He's not doing the job. He has failed. He just kept on – he saved that money. You could have signed these guys to one year. You, you could have brought in a pass rusher for one year. You could have brought in more. All right, he brought in Ezra Cleveland. Ezra Cleveland ended up, let me find it right here for you. Ezra Cleveland ended up being, for the year, the second lowest offensive performer on the Jaguars roster at 46%, or 46, according to uh, PFF. You know what number one was? Of course you do. Luke Fortner, 44.2. The offensive line's terrible. I've been screaming about that for years. I've already seen the mocks. Oh, go get Keon Coleman. Oh, get the kid last night who played wide receiver at Washington. Oh, go get a pass rush. I'm like, no! No! Offensive line, offensive line, defensive line. Guards, defensive tackles. You're soft in the ditch. You get blown up on offense. You get blown up on defense. Forget about wide receivers and ends. Offensive line, defensive line. Fix your weakness. There's many of you out there who believe that Anton Harrison wouldn't even have been selected if Cam didn't get popped for four games. Now, again, I said all along they had to go offensive line. Okay, yeah, of course, Boo, but they went offensive line because Cam got popped. I mean, you got plenty of skill position, guys. You had a 1,000-yard back. You would have had two 1,000-yard wide receivers if Kirk had stayed healthy. Evan Ingram caught 113, 14 balls. Zay was hurt all year. I think you saw a tiny bit of something laid out of Parker Washington, a fifth or sixth-round pick, whatever he was. You've got the skill, guys. Fix your line. Mazes me. Harry is next. He goes into the night. Yeah. Hey, Rick. Listen, I agree with what you, you came on the show with. I, I feel bad. I haven't felt this bad all through the years. And we've had some bad losses. Anyways, what concerns me the most, Rick, is 
how are we going to get any better? We've got to get better at the draft. If the draft fails us next year because we got all these problems with money, how are we going to get any better if we fail again at the draft? And because and, we don't have much cap, so I was ho- I'm hoping that that bulky took some notes on some of these Michigan the their front line. They got some they got some maulers, and that's what we need here. I don't know picking seventeenth if we can get one of them, but the draft is the biggest thing. We can't keep losing on the draft, but we ain't gonna go nowhere. And and and, and you know, you're you're spot on with that. This year's draft was horrifying. It was. And can you imagine how bad it would be if you didn't get the late additions of fifth-rounder Antonio Johnson and sixth-rounder Parker Washington? Those are two encouraging things. Now, I think Washington is going to be your backup slot to Kirk. He's going to be your punt returner. They're not going to bring back Agnew. I don't think you can pay him with everything else that this team has to do. And again, he's, he's aging. And he's also injury prone. Antonio Johnson, you know, that early injury really had a setback for him. He's a physical player. Okay? I, I, I hope that they're going to allow him to trust his football instincts. It would be a big hire here as far as the defensive coordinator. I, I would love for them to get Wink Martindale. Uh, Wink Martindale has been around successful programs, running that defense forever in Baltimore. Okay. He got in it with Brian Dayball. This year in New York, New Jersey, and it's kind of a kind of a blitzing three-four attack. If you look at Thibodeau and Ojolari, the way that they're used almost as an outside linebacker that will come up at the line of scrimmage, it's a blitz-heavy package that Wink Martindale likes to run. Uh, there's a large part of me that believes that this defense could be better with a four-three structure. I don't I don't know if that's that could be wishful thinking. But now, the Giants can block a move with Wink. They, they can do that because he resigned. He's still technically under contract. It would make absolutely zero sense for the New York Giants to block a move over here to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're talking about NFC East, AFC South. No, so I, I think if you pursue him, uh, you get him. But you're right. I mean, I, I'm going to be – and I was going to do this <laughs> – I was going to have a show on it, and maybe I will anyway at some point. But I give Anton Harrison an A. He was thrown into the fire. They did a bad coaching job with him, especially against Chris Jones at Kansas City early, not providing help as far as Chip. Uh, He had a rusher every week. I think he's going to get better. I give Anton Harrison an A. Uh, Brenton Strange, D. He was hurt. Tank Bigsby, D, although I thought the last two games was encouraging. I'm not giving up on Tank Bigsby. There's no way Trent Baalke is. There's no way his ego is. He invested a third-round pick in him. Okay? And, and don't be surprised if the way that that Baalke's thinking right now is this could be it for Travis Etienne. They're going to pick up his fifth-year option. Backs aren't coveted in this league. I mean, as crazy as it may sound, by the 2025 season, Tank Bigsby could be your starting running back. And I know a lot of you are going to, like, drive off the road right now. You're like, what the hell do we do to say? 
Ventrell Miller, redshirt season, lost. Tyler Lacey, a guy, gave him some snaps. You see, Abdullah, man, they gave this guy like 10 chances and they put him on the bench. He was a, he was a scratch every week. What a waste. I mean, he's an undersized pass rush end. They went into their fifth round. Remember all the free agents? Remember the clownies and all the guys who were available? Floyd. <laughs> he, just, he did nothing. Jacksonville had 40 sacks. And you know they came from, what, you had 10 for Trayvon and 17 and a half. That can't be right. Did they really have 40? Boy, I'm trying to think where the other 12 and a half would actually come from. So, yeah, it's a terrible draft class. Last year's draft class, Trayvon Walker getting better. Number one pick, no. But you got to be happy there. He's getting better. Devin Lloyd, better, but lost. Lost. There are times you're like, what is he doing? Look at that angle. Look at him in coverage. I mean, you're talking about you want to go to a fourth, a four three, and have him. It. I don't know. Forty sacks. You're right. It was who else had him? Um, a lot of guys with just a few. So, uh, Roy Robertson Harris had three and a half. Foyer had two and a half. Chason had two. Uh, Sign him. <laughs> Bring him back. Smoot, Antonio Johnson, Rayshon. And Gotsis all had one. Okay. So it was 40? It was. And I don't know if you saw the, um, I believe it was Clay Harbor. Yeah, here it is. Clay Harbor uh, showed the uh, replays of a lot of these Henry runs from Sunday, and he was oh, yeah. showing Devin Lloyd just taking wrong angles, missing tackles, getting destroyed by linemen, like, Completely lost. The tape doesn't lie. Right. And I still think he's a good football player. He's an improved football player. But that was absolutely awful. And I think to make matters worse, I got to take a break here and I'm going to get to these calls. I think he was like the highest rated pro football focus player. It's- In that game on Sunday. Let me see if I can find that right here for you real quick. I mean, pro football focus is like, um, I don't know how to define pro football focus. When I agree with them, though, I'm like, yeah, I knew I was right. But then sometimes you're like, what? I think it's like my GF when she picks us all up because she don't drink and we're all drunk and she's sober. And, you know, it's probably the wrong analogy, but it's like you watch the game and you think you have some idea as to what you're seeing and what you just saw. Until you go to Pro Football Focus. And Pro Football Focus and Trent Bulky are like the same thing. It's, hey, we're the smartest guy in the room. You don't know what you're talking about. Devin Lloyd, let's see here. Devin Lloyd was the highest ranked player. He was the highest ranked player total, offense or defense. He got an 80.1 grade. You know what a Luicon's grade was? Uh, he was rough. 27.8. I mean, these are Lawrence Taylor numbers for Devin Lloyd. 2022 draft. Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd. Luke Fortner, complete failure. Chad Muma, complete failure. Snoop Connor, complete failure. Gregory Jr., Buster Brown. Okay. We'll see what happens 
with the latter two. Now, now if uh, Buster actually came on and played pretty well. So next year will be year three for him. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's a reach. I'm going to seventh-round picks here, sixth-round picks here in the last couple of drafts and saying that they're helping out a little bit. You're not getting performance out of your top picks, and that goes solely on your general manager. All right, when we come back, much more of these. Let's see, quite a few folks on. If anyone hangs up, a line opens up for you. Okay, 641-1010 if you'd like to get into the conversation. The night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Happy birthday, Jimmy Page. Ah, unlike the Jaguars, music will never let you down. And 80 years of age. Arguably the greatest guitarist of all time. Arguably the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Jimmy Page is 80. All right, tell you what we're going to do right now. A lot less of me, a lot more of you. Let's hear from you. 641-1010. Let's start it with Keith. How you doing, Keith? Hey, Baloo. Hey. Um, uh, spot on on your opening uh, monologue. Um, uh, let me say this. the Every every caller had a pulse on what, this, uh, what the problem was. In this in this organization, but I want to give you my number one problem, and that's Mr. Turnover, Mr. Turnover himself, Trevor Lawrence. Um, in the third year, he has regressed, and the thing about it is, is, is that um, if we do not find out what's going on, three more years, we'll be hitting the reset button again. And um, I want to get your thoughts, you know what I'm saying, on that. He leads the league in turnovers for the second year in a row, and this is supposed to be the generational talent. Um, I'm questioning that, and I want to know your thoughts. Appreciate that call, and um, I'm glad you mentioned that because all the focus tonight has been on Trent Baalke and, uh, you know, the firings that Doug Peterson has made here over the last two days. Uh, A lot of what you said is correct, and – The best part of Doug Peterson's press conference yesterday, the best part, was that he put some of this on Trevor. And that has to happen, okay? He's three years in the league. He's 24 years of age. He made major mistakes this year. And he turns the football over. He also tries to make plays. I went kind of nuts on this a night ago talking about just how poorly Trevor Lawrence is in-game situations. His decision-making has been really poor. And, you know, you can bring up things like hitting Parker Washington before halftime. He's a rookie. You shouldn't have thrown it to a rookie who couldn't get out of bounds. Or, you know, taking that hit at Tampa when you're down 36 and the game's out of reach. You know, knocked him out of the next week's game against Carolina. And who knows how injured he really was two days ago in Tennessee. I'm with you. Uh, And, you know, my opinions changed where all along I was like, here it is, what, January 9th? Get this guy signed in March. You're going to save money on the back end. Rip up year four. Give him a long-term contract extension. Right now, I'm like, 
no way you make him play year four of that rookie contract for eleven million seven hundred thousand. You absolutely pick up the fifth year option, but he's got to earn it now. Now all of a sudden, I I think the percentages have moved up a little bit that he's not going to be the quarterback, the franchise quarterback here, uh, perhaps as early as. 2026, 2027. I would still bet that he's going to be, but he's got to show a lot of improvement. 58 giveaways in the last uh, three years, most in the NFL. Third most interceptions with 37. Second most fumbles with 33. Most lost fumbles, 21. That has to change. Good call there. Appreciate it. James is next. He goes into the night. Yeah, it's James. How are you, Rick? Hi, James. All right, man. Listen to this. I got a thought. The whole clown movement, remember? Yeah. It started with an emoji, and it had a mustache. So the clown movement was initially against Shad Khan, but Trent Balke then took the heat, right? Mm -hmm. He came out on that last game against Indianapolis and stood out on the porches out there, and Shad Khan didn't show up, and we won that game with you know, uh, with the substitute after Urban Miller was fired. Okay. And we won that game. You're right. So I believe that, um, you know, the clown movement kind of backfired because Trent Balky took up, took all the heat off of Sean Khan. No more mustache. And he had the little clown doll, remember, on his desk? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't know it was Bozo. (laughs) But he didn't know that. He Mm. said the clown figurine. But he took the heat off of Sean Khan. So, you know, God bless all of us. You know, we're all in shock, okay? I love the Jags. I love them, man. I love them. I was playing first trombone the old Dallas Cowboys man when Roger Staubach was quarterback. Yeah. So I love football, you know? So I'm passionate. So I love this, you know? But I, I feel like that the clown movement backfired, and now Trent Balky is invincible from being fired because he took the heat from Sean Khan. Yeah, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. There's something going on there that I'm unaware of. Uh, He obviously has the utmost respect and trust in Trent Baalke. And what I think we're seeing here for for the, you know, the older audience out there, my age or around my age, you're aware of this. For for you younger folks, uh, you're headed towards this. But the point I'm trying to make here is that you're going to find out in life, in your professional life, that people that you are better than get the better job. They get the better opportunity. And a lot of that is nepotism. A lot of that is having friends in the business and, and being able to um, give you a, uh, you know, a contact or a lead that you couldn't get on your own. There's also, in life, the ability, as bad as you are at your job, the ability... To sell yourself to the one decision maker. And that's all you have to do. And 32 years in this business, I have seen people in a a lot of different areas who are not nearly as good as others advance because they know how to sell themselves. It's an unbelievable trait. And you're not going to learn that in school. You're not going to learn that in high school. You're not going to learn that in college. I don't know if you learn it on the streets. I don't know if you learn it or how you learn it, but there's only a few out there who actually have that. The ability to take on an entire fan base 
the ability to take on an entire city, the ability to look at the one guy who makes the decision and convince him they're all wrong. I'm right. And that's what Trent Bulky's been able to do. Brother, that is impressive. <laughs> I mean, that is fantastic. And that's where we're at. Hour number two on the other side. Let's see. Let's begin with uh, Max and James. James, this hung up. He, I, I'm trying to get to as many of you as I can. But crying out loud, send me a clown emoji uh, if you want. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get us. We're grabbing calls in our second hour. 641-1010. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Jaguar season is over. We try to get through that. And while we do, we celebrate the 80th birthday of Jimmy Page, guitarist of Led Zeppelin. Uh, your phone calls in 30 seconds, 641-1010. The 5200 said, uh, great opening monologue. I am now completely depressed. That's not my goal. Believe it or not, I'm trying to pick you up. I uh, I feel like I, between yesterday's show and tonight's show, I feel like I've gotten it out of me. I, I'm not going to roll that way. This show will always be about how to get better. Next up, defensive coordinator. Next up, solidify your staff. And then you have decisions to make with your own. Who are you bringing back? Who are you not re-signing? 24 free agents. You then need to figure out what you're going to do in free agency. And that will also include restructuring some current contracts. And then we're, what, 106 days away from the NFL draft. I mean, blink twice and it'll be gone. So I'm not going to I'm, I'm, I'm be that way um, during the offseason. My... My approach is going to be, how do you make this team better? It always has been, even when you had the top pick in the draft. But just let me say this to you, and I, and I firmly believe it. Outside of the fact that Trent Baalke has the complete trust and respect in Shad Khan, I think the other missing link of this equation and why he is still the general manager is that it was out of the ordinary to begin with, right? Bulky was hired by Caldwell. Caldwell was fired. He was promoted. And again, it took forever to decide on Doug Peterson. If you were to fire Trent Bulky, doesn't that make Doug Peterson a lame duck? The next GM who comes in would want his own guy. He's going to want to build the team the way that he wants to build the team. So, the fact that that has not happened, I am totally convinced that if the Jaguars go 9-8 and eight next year, they're both gone. If the Jaguars don't make the playoffs next year, they're both gone. Now, if they have a successful run, win the AFC South, get in the playoffs, then you can make the case that they both stick around, okay? But I, I, I think that that is a way for you to look at this. And I, I know in some ways it's, it's unfair for me to even say that because the season ended 48 hours ago. But that's the way I'm looking at this because it doesn't make any sense that he's still the general manager. I believe that that's a big part of this. And I think you'll see the next time around, 
and it could be in one year, if they don't meet expectations, that they all go. And then you completely start all over again. You bring in a general manager and a head coach at the same time. That make any sense? Let's go to Jason. He is next. He goes into the night. Welcome. Well, working on what you just said, if that's the case and they're gone next year, they ain't making the playoffs. They're not going nine and eight. I'd be surprised if they win seven. However, <laughs> Harry a few calls back was saying, oh, well, how are we going to get better through the draft? We're not. And this is just my opinion. Yes, bulky is part of it. And I know since I'm not in that building and I don't see the decision-making process, I cannot prove it definitively. But I have a very strong suspicion that Junior, a.k.a. Tony Khan, is being allowed to do some draft picks or influencing of at least picks four through seven. And I think they need to keep that kid away from all football decision-making. Also, on the morning side, I'm tired of hearing the sunshine pumper pump up this, this offensive line year after year. Tony, you were great. All right, but I, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna draw the line there. I'm not gonna let you talk about my colleagues on, on here. Um, that's just the way I do things. You can reach out to them. <clears throat> I, I don't agree with that. Tony Khan heads up the analytic department. Okay. I don't think that there's a feeling anywhere that, you know, the cons are football. Um He's openly admitted that he makes a lot of choices when it comes to undrafted free agents. Right. I agree with that. I agree he and his staff. But I've never heard any draft stuff. Do that. that. Um, scouts, scouting is such a huge part of ladder draft picks. It, it, it just is. And that's where you honestly trust your board. When we talk about trusting the board and need pick and value pick, we get so wrapped up in the first round. But that really comes into play once you get to Saturday, you know, once you get into the fourth, fifth round, sixth round, I mean, where do you rank guys? So I think it's a combination, but I, I, I don't believe that the Tony, that if Trent Bulky and this team believe, or even when it was Dave Caldwell and this team, that if they believe they have a guy that they want in the fourth or fifth round and Tony Khan runs up to him He's and like, says, no, 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 I got a guy. <laughs> I don't believe that. I, I, I don't believe that's just the, I agree with you. the way it goes. Um, if so, then everything I said earlier about Shah Khan not being hands-on, that becomes the exact opposite because, you know, you can look at guys like, like, uh, Tepper in Carolina and Mark Davis in Las Vegas. Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, but I want to, I want to say Jerry knows football. I hope after all these years. You know what I mean? Of being the GM. Yeah. I want to say Mark Davis's dad, Al Davis knew football. Um, this is not a perfect science. This is hard. This is so hard to try to draft the right guys. But I would rather have a Shad Khan who's basically absent than have an owner who's involved in everything that you do. You can't work that way. Can, can you work at your job if you have your boss or the owner of the company over your shoulder every single move that you're trying to... No, you've got to have freedom to be able to do your job the way that you want to uh, do your job. So, I, I I think he's involved with his analytics team. I think it's a big part of it. 
but I don't I you know I don't agree that he has the say on things like that. Let's go to Max. He is next up. Hey man, that uh, that call with Leah earlier that was kind of crazy. I was driving home from work and he just blew up. Kind of made my night. It was kind of funny, but um, I just want to know what your thoughts are on the whole Press Taylor situation. I know all these people are talking about how they think he needs to be fired from the from the staff, and I just want to know your thoughts on that and what what you think the real problem we have to deal with all of this off season is to get better for the playoffs next year. You know, I I think Press Taylor, I I would have moved on from him. Um, just because the offense did regress this year. But there are a lot of things that need to be considered. For starters, this football team a year ago was absolutely, totally healthy. Okay? I mean, you lost Cam Robinson. That's it. Off your defense, you lost Shaq Griffin early. Um, you lost uh, – That's I, I don't, I'm trying to think if you lost someone else. But it, it was such a healthy year. The Jaguars this year, that left side of the line, beaten up. Zay Jones out. Christian Kirk out. ETN, a chest injury. Trevor Lawrence, five injuries. And as soon as I start talking about injuries, half of you are like, an excuse, excuse, excuse. And I get it. you got to learn to play through injuries. I, I would have fired Press Taylor. But I'm also one of those who believes they didn't do enough to help this football team. They returned 20 of 22 starters. The only starters you replaced were Anton Harrison for Juwan Taylor and Calvin Ridley for Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones Jr. That's it. Everyone else returned. They sat on it and figured we were so close a year ago, it's going to happen again this year. And, you know, it kind of looked that way early on at 8-3. and three. The problem was the offensive line. This team couldn't run. This team was terrible in red zone. This team was terrible at goal line. This team took a step back on third down conversion rate. This team took a step back on sacks allowed, a career high, 35 for Trevor Lawrence. This team could not pass protect and could not run block. So, yeah, Press Taylor made some glaring omissions, some some major mistakes, but I – I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's a combination of Trevor Lawrence not performing as well, the offensive line being just awful, and I think it all came into it. I would have replaced him. Again, just to understand the philosophy involved here with Doug Peterson, incredibly loyal. It was his downfall in Philadelphia, loyal to a fault. Remember, he wanted to promote Press Taylor as the offensive coordinator now, what, six years ago? or No, it wouldn't have been that long ago. It would have been three years ago, four years ago, as the offense coordinator in Philadelphia. And they didn't want that to happen. And that was one of the reasons why he left. Doug Peterson is huge on continuity with his staff. And he made that point last year after the loss in London to Denver, right? Again, at goal line, Jacksonville couldn't score. And that's when he came out and talked about the consistency with Mahomes and Herbert and Allen and Burrow. And he lost a guy in Jim Bob Cooter, but he kept Mike McCoy. He kept Press Taylor and himself. And he is a believer that this football team is better in the long run by having the same staff and the same people around your QB. Whether that's right or wrong, 
that is the way he thinks of it. Remember, Trevor went through this transition where he changed offensive coordinators from his uh, sophomore to junior season at, uh, at Clemson. And then, you know, the, ch- the whole Urban Meyer mess. And then settling on, not settling, but then Doug coming in with Press Taylor. So, yes, I would have, uh, I would have made that uh, particular move. They elected not to. Let's go to uh, Hansel, who was next up. Welcome. Hey, Rick. Can you I, hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, Rick, JJ. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Uh, I'm a fellow Jags Knowles fan, so I've been knee-deep in Telemore Dew for the past 48 <laughs> hours. Hey, man, it's it's I a great tool. To, uh, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to piggyback off of kind of your comments earlier. I've never seen uh, – Trevor deserves a lot of the blame for his performances, but I thought, especially in the Titans game, there were a few throws there that um, the inaccuracy, I feel like the shoulder injury might have had a little more impact than people talk about. I've never seen him overthrow people like that. He's had plenty of turnover issues and stuff, but I think I, I feel like the shoulder might have had a little impact on some of those out route throws that he threw ten feet over people. I, I think that that's fair, and and that's part of the whole problem. Number one, he shouldn't have been out there against Tampa. Number two, when he was out there, this man's brain, the way he's wired, he's trying to make plays, even though they're down 36, 30 to six, they have no chance of winning, and that's when he got hurt. Um, to me, that's a problem, and that's an organizational problem, and that's a that's a problem with it. The guy's trying to make a play. How can you blame him? Well, he shouldn't be out there. It's thirty six. They had no chance of winning that game, and and you're right. It, it could have affected his throwing two days ago. And 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 I don't know how you uh, he how has you thrown that. like usually it's early in the game. You know, usually he'll overthrow a couple down the middle. You know, the field overthrow receiver. But this was, yeah, you rarely see it on those out routes on the sideline. And you rarely see it late into the game. Usually it's like, oh, he's like hyped up for this game. He's overthrowing a couple balls and then he kind of gets in the zone. But yeah, this was obvious that he wasn't 100%. Well, he threads the needle on the long TD pass to Wrigley, something we were waiting on all year, something the Jaguar fans were waiting on all year. And then he misses them. In the fourth quarter. By by literally inches. I mean, it hits the hands of Ridley, which really begs the question, if he's a true franchise quarterback, is that pass completed? If Ridley is a true 1A wide receiver, does he make that reception? I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think it's a fair one to ask. It's just like last year at this time, we were saying, well, how does Christian Kirk drop that ball with the game on the line? How does Jamal Agnew fumble that ball? With the game on the line. I mean, that's what you can look at. How did they miss? First of all, how did Ridley get so wide open? Because the Titans suck. <laughs> that's it. Mike Vrabel fired today, too. I was really surprised by that. But 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 this year, you're now going to the the three things that are going to come to your mind when you think about this team. Goal line and a quarterback Short yardage sneak. in general. Right. Like. A quarterback sneak where, you know, your, your offensive line gets blown off the ball. But when you watch it, it's like, did they even know that it was a quarterback sneak? When you have your center and your right guard pulling, and the play is supposed to be a handoff to Tank Bigsby to that general area, and your quarterback is sneaking, that is – 
that is a major malfunction. I mean, that just absolutely. So, again, that's decision-making by Trevor Lawrence. And then you go to third and two and fourth and two on their last possession. That was their second-to-last possession. You go back and you watch those plays. He tries to thread the needle to, to Tim Jones when he's got Evan Ingram wide open. Again, I haven't gone to the All-22 yet. And then on fourth down, he tries to force it into Evan Ingram where apparently other, other options are open. So that's bad decision-making by your franchise quarterback. He's not immune to criticism here. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go down the road here and say it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. I'm, I'm not there yet, okay? And I'm not going to get there at any point during this. I'm not going to wake up one morning, roll out of the wrong side of the rack, and be like, that's it, Trevor's not the guy. The quarterback this yeah, year. I'm not going to go down that road, okay? But I am a little bit more alarmed. I'm a little bit more concerned right now than I was going into the year. It was a setback year, no matter which way you look at it, for him. And the one thing that Trent Bulky did do, he provided a lot of weapons for Trevor Lawrence. So that's a big part of it. All right, six four one ten ten. If you would uh, like to get on in for the first time tonight, uh, we have no callers online. We've had a ton early on in the program. Boy, the text line is going absolutely crazy. I want to get to you as well. Same number, six four one ten ten, and that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, a lot of good stuff coming in tonight from you, the listener. As always, we do appreciate it. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8. Thursday and Friday night, 6 to 8 as well. Uh, what did I do with this? I, want, I wanted to get to it. Okay, uh, 0903 says Ballou. Seriously. In what order would you pick? Offensive and defensive line, which is the priority? They're both priorities, okay? This is the focus. This has to be the focus. Now, you're set at tackle for next year, whether it's going to be Little and Harrison or Cam Robinson and Harrison. Your your tackles are set. And I'm not saying avoid drafting a tackle because – Robinson could be gone. This could also be the final year of Walker Little's contract. It's year four. But you have to and, – and I also am very interested in this part of it. Trent Bulky's escaped the fire. He has to believe that he's got to win this year. Therefore, I don't think he's going to take up this money by extending Trevor Lawrence. Play Trevor Lawrence at $11.7 million. He's going to restructure some more contracts and maybe leave some dead money in the future for the next general manager or even if it's him to get out of it in a couple of years. But I think he's going to build this year's team to win this year. He he has to know that he has failed miserably on that offensive and defensive line. So he is going to have to get some things done in free agency. That comes first. 
Can you find a guard? Does he believe that Cooper Hodges, who had a, you know, basically a redshirt season, he was injured, much like Ventrell Miller. I mean, that's a gamble. You're going to put all this on a seventh-round draft pick who didn't play a year ago? That's a gamble, okay? But typically guards don't, typically guards are not the 17th pick in the draft, unless you're really special. Right? I mean, tackles go that high, but not usually a guard. Now, the kid who played last night out of uh, Washington is, is getting a lot of reviews. I, I do need plenty of time here to look at everything and, you know, their pro days and the combine and those who are playing uh, in the, um, uh, you know, senior bowl and, and, and everything else that goes along with it. I, the good thing about the Jaguars being relevant is in years past, I was already knee-deep into a lot of draft stuff. I, I haven't been so far this year. Sure, I've read the mock drafts. You've read the mock drafts. But I don't know right now if I can say to you, yeah, there's a center who's equal to 17th pick in the draft. There's a left or right guard that's equal to the 17th pick. I don't know that. Typically, those positions don't hit there. A defensive tackle, totally different. Yes. A defensive tackle will go in the top. There's no doubt. So, by typical draft value, the priority would probably be defensive line because of the position. But we need more time, and, and we have it. We have 106 days. Yeah, you haven't done any studying on Taliesi Fuaga, <laughs> the offensive tackle from Oregon State, who's uh, mm-hmm. our friend Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports today, had his mock out, and that's where the Jags are going. Good. I love that. Three thirty four six six. Offensive tackle. I, I tell you what, JJ, I like that better than, you know, getting a wide receiver. I couldn't agree more. And I, I understand the way that fans are. Wide receivers. It's flashy. Yes. And you know them. Right. Like but, Keon Coleman, we all watched, you know, for a couple seasons. We know who he is. Uh, some random tackle from Morgan State. Uh, we're not going to have too much of an opinion on that guy. And, um... You know, if you do listen, okay, if you listen to what we, we've we done around here for forever, man, I've been hollering about this for years. This isn't like, oh, I'm going to show up this year and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer the offensive line and talk about the offensive line. Uh-uh. No. Not at all. I mean, that is something that I've always done. All right, I'm looking for this other one that, it, that was good and I put down here and I can't find it. God, you guys sent me so much stuff here. Everything gets all uh, jammed up. Mm, All right, here we go. Here's one. Here's a good one. Uh, 36-18, Blue, in all fairness, Wrigley has has to get dirty on that play. Right? Has to lay out for the ball. That's what I'm saying. That was a beautifully thrown ball, especially when the quarterback is dealing with a sore shoulder. All he thought about was catching it. Uh, Stride after getting the touchdown, instead of catching it on the dive and getting the yardage. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. There is. I mean, why wouldn't you lay out? Uh, I, my assumption is, is that I think he felt he could catch it anyway, and he didn't. I'm torn here on Ridley. I, I, I am. And frankly, I'm glad I don't have to make this decision. This is one of the more tougher ones that this team is going to have to make. This guy just turned 29. There was some disconnect at times. 
Um, I think you can find receivers. He's not the number one wide receiver. Christian Kirk is the number one wide receiver. Christian Kirk is a better wide receiver than Calvin Ridley. Christian Kirk is a more reliable wide receiver, even though he got injured, than Calvin Ridley. And, and, and this pains me to say. I mean, I gushed about this guy in August. Again, I've never seen anything like it on the, uh, at the Miller Electric Center. I've never, I haven't seen anything like it since, since Justin Blackman was here. You know, going back to the days of Jimmy Smith. Look, look, at the, look at the ratio this year. Calvin Ridley, 76 for 136. That's terrible. I, I, I understand numbers. I understand what people are going to go. Calvin Ridley, they can say he caught 76 balls for 1,016 yards and had eight touchdowns. Okay. He was 76 for 136. I'll let you do the math and figure out the percentage. As opposed to Christian Kirk, you know, 57 for 85. That's, that's actually down a little bit uh, from a year ago. I mean, Trevor just missed his wide receivers this year. His underneath stuff was really good. Evan Ingram, 114 for 143, right? 55% uh, from Ridley, by the way. 55%. Yeah. You know, and the guy's averaging 13.4 yards. Of, uh, we're not talking about 17 or 18 yards of reception. We're talking about 13.4. Now, I know the Jaguars had 25 drops. You know, Travis Etienne, 58 to 73. So his, you know, his, his drop-down stuff was really good with Engram and, and Etienne. But Kirk dipped a little bit, and Calvin Ridley was, was real. I mean, if I was to say to you in August that the completion ratio from Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley is going to be 55%, are, are you going to pay this guy top 10 wide receiver money? Are you going to pay this guy top five wide receiver money? I read it earlier today. The top five wide receivers were available. What is it? It's like Higgins. It's Hollywood Brown. It's uh, the kid down the road. Ten straight years of 1,000 yards receiving. Evans? Yes. I No, I'm not going to touch a wide receiver. You know, Zay's gone. Zay costs too much money. Jamal Agnew's gone. So that leaves you with Christian Kirk, and that leaves you with Parker Washington. And that here's something else that is alarming. The guys that they tried to plug in didn't work the way you wanted it to. Uh, when you look at, uh, uh, let's see here, Tim Jones, 11 of 18. Okay, that's that's all right. I thought it would be a little bit He only had 11 catches this year? He did. Elijah Cooks, 3 of 4. We saw that one dramatic drop uh, that he did have. But, but that's what you're looking at right now. You, you're looking at Christian Kirk coming off an injury, Parker Washington, who was injured this year, and then guys who are unproven. You know, guys that are, let's be honest here, they're guys. They're, they're fifth and sixth wide receivers. Tim Jones, Elijah Cooks, that's what you have. They don't bring back Zay. So, yeah, there, there's a glaring need for another top-notch wide receiver. And that's why there's going to be so many people in the draft that are going to say the Jaguars are going to do that in the first round. We don't know if they're going to have a second or third-round pick. That all, that all factors into the Wrigley decision. 
You let him go, it's a third. You sign him long-term, you give up your second. So you got to figure that part out of it. Do you, do you swap a franchise tag on Calvin Wrigley? Just knowing a little bit about this situation? If you put a franchise tag on Calvin Wrigley, guess what? He's not there for camp. <laughs> you know, everything that Doug Peterson preaches about practice and how many times this year was there miscommunication, and that included with Trevor Lawrence and his wide receivers. So you put a franchise tag on Calvin Ridley and he doesn't show up during the offseason, you just get him ready for week one? That's a risk. You're going to pay him a three-year contract? You're going to pay him $60 million or whatever it is? I and mean, where's the priority list with Josh Allen? Do you, do you put the franchise tag on him and pay Ridley? I, I don't know the answer to these questions, but that's why I've said all along, this year's offseason is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, you know, I feel bad for you people. I do. I feel bad for Jaguar fans, but just like I felt awful for Florida State fans. But sooner or later, you're going to have to snap out of it. You know, Norvell got another recruit today. You got another defensive lineman today. Norvell's doing everything he can to, to come back and respond. This, I understand you're pissed. I understand, oh, I'm not going to go to any more games and I'm done. You're not. I've been doing this for 32 years. I know how fans are. You will be back. And I appreciate that you're upset and that you want heads to roll. But you will come back. Being a sports fan is like any, any legal or illegal drug that's out there. It, it, it's more potent. Hardest thing I had to give up was chewing tobacco. Go freaking crazy for years. I get done with this show. There's nothing I love better than throwing in a big old dip and barreling down the road in my key GMCCR. I had to give it up. It was hard. You can't give up being a sports fan. You just can't. You're a Florida State fan. You're going to come back. You're a Gators fan. Billy Napier on, on the hot seat this year. You win, they're back. They lose, they get a new coach, you're back. Same with the Jaguars. How do they get better? What moves are they going to have to make to get better? This year's class has to be about getting stronger on the offensive and defensive line, period. But all the decisions they got to make is going to be just spectacular. It's going to be just insane. Thankfully, I don't understand the salary cap. The best part, the Trent Bulky. The best thing that he's been a part of, he puts together good contracts. He and his people, Walshie and, and the others over there, you can't look at the years and the money. You have to look at the years and the guaranteed money and then the dead cap money beginning in year three. These contracts are basically structured as two-year deals. Someone called in earlier and said the Jaguars have way too much dead cap money. They had a lot a year ago. They don't have a lot this year. In a win-now situation, I would expect there to be a lot of dead cap money coming up in 2025 because Trent Bulky knows I got a win in 2024. So that should be comforting for you 
in the immediate future. What does it do down the road? We'll see. I mean, the salary cap continues to grow. It's going to be 240 this year. Heck, by next year, it could be up to two, you know, $255 million. But I, I have to believe that his philosophy on this football team is going to change. He made a mistake thinking they were close, really, really close. So let's keep 20 of the 22 starters. They failed. Now he's got to win. He's got to build this year's team to win in 2024. If not, he's got to be out of a job. They, they can't do what they did this year, and he's going to be around again in 2020. No, I mean, that just can't happen. It can't. So, you know, let's look long-term here. And it's one after the other after the other. Good luck. I mean, just think about it. Josh Allen, man. Calvin Ridley, Brandon Sheriff. I, I keep reading these people say they want Brandon Sheriff back at right guard. Cam Robinson. Are you going to put a fifth year on a on a running back? Are you going to pick up that fifth year option on Travis Etienne? Obviously, you're going to pick up the fifth year option on Trevor. Are you going to pick it up on Travis Etienne? What are you going to do with Tyson Campbell? A year ago at this time, we were raving about Tyson Campbell. He had a setback, and he was injured. What are you going to do about Andre Sisco? He's going to be coming up. What are you going to do on Walker Little? He's going to be coming up. What are you going to do on Darius Williams? Are you going to restructure that contract? What are you going to do with Christian Kirk, who has the second highest cap number? Are you going to restructure that contract? What are you going to do with Foye Oluwakon, who's got massive salary cap numbers and dead cap money? Are you going to move along from him and trust Chad Muma? Or are you going to restructure that? You, you can't pay those guys at the rate they're making now. You have to restructure Kirk and Sheriff and Cam and Aloha Khan if you want to keep them. You have to restructure those deals. So, yeah, this is going to be one of the greatest off-seasons this organization's ever had. And, 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 and as much as I hate to say it, maybe it is a little bit of a blessing that they lost. It wasn't a Super Bowl team. Because if they had gotten in and Cleveland came in here and rolled them this weekend, it would have been defined a successful year. Oh, Jaguars back-to-back AFC Southern champs. Oh, Jaguars back-to-back playoffs. So, yeah, you lose a week and you lose a playoff game. They can't win at home. Jacksonville can't win at home anyway. This team can't win at home. They're not going to win here against Cleveland. They don't win home games. So maybe it is a blessing in disguise. Maybe you start to fix this thing with the coaching changes. Maybe they'll finally get ahead of it. Maybe they'll go out and hire Wink Martindale. Maybe they'll get that done this week. Why wait? Be proactive. Don't wait for everyone else. Go out and find who you want. Doug Peterson's a smart guy. Find out who you want and get them. Don't wait. Don't wait five weeks like Trent Bulky did to get Doug Peterson. Find who you want and get him. Get the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. Get him. Final thoughts on the other side. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, today's takeaways, Mike Vrabel gone in Nashville. Boy, 
I think that's a mistake. I think that's a win for the AFC South. That's a win for the Jaguars and the other two teams. Uh, Mike Vrabel, you know, there are now six openings, right? Tennessee, Washington. You've got um, the Los Angeles Chargers, Carolina, Atlanta, and Las Vegas. Uh, Still could have an opening in New England with Bill Belichick. And uh, I think that's it, right? Maybe Chicago, Possibly but I doubt Uberflus. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. I've had quite a few people tonight ask me, would I consider bringing him here as a defensive coordinator? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think he's going to get a head coaching job. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, Fred Taylor tweeted out today, I hear there's an opening for the running back job here in Jacksonville. That's interesting, to say the least. Bernie Parmalee was let go today. Todd Washington let go, the assistant offensive line coach. Always liked Bernie Parmalee. You know, they had to make the moves. Of course, yesterday, they said goodbye to the defensive staff outside of outside linebacker coach Bill Shuey. Also, the assistant defensive line coach, uh, Rory Segrest, and their quality control coach, Patrick Riley. So, that's, um, you know, that's nine to ten spots that need to be filled. I, I don't know if there's any other changes coming. I would assume that that's going to be it. But, let's you know, hopefully they get ahead of this and are, are able to bring in the, the right people. I was a little bit surprised that Phil Rauscher survived this. He's thought of as one of the up-and-coming, really brilliant coaches. Maybe you just can't work with the talent that you have. But it cost the assistant offensive line coach his job. As a matter of fact, the way it was worded, his option or his contract ran out. And they just didn't offer him another one. But those are the two changes that will be happening offensively. Another running backs coach and another assistant offensive line coach. All right, the good folks at Key. I know it's been rough out there as far as the the weather uh, recently. And... um, That'll change, uh, hopefully, as early as tomorrow. A, a full lot full of vehicles over at Key Buick GMC, right across the street from Tinseltown, South Side and Get. I love my Key GMC Sierra truck and my GF. She as well loves her Buick Enclave, which she got from the good folks over at Key. Across the street from South Side, it is on uh, across the street from Tinseltown, South Side and Gate. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Hacker Nation is here, ladies and gentlemen. What is going on? Boy, never a dull moment. The Jaguars finally get some good news today. Had nothing to do with them. Mike Vrabel out in Nashville. I was shocked. And then... Here's what the Tennessee Titans did today, and I'm going to have some people on the Nashville at the end of the week to talk about this. Did you see the owner, Amy Adams Strunk, did a five-minute interview on the Titans team website, just getting questions lobbed to her, just softballs. And then they put Rand Carthod, the new GM, in front of the Nashville media who said, well, I didn't have anything to do with Vrabel's dismissal. Well, then why were you having him answer questions about Vrabel's dismissal. Unbelievable. I thought they handled that horrifically bad today. There, there is a lot of dysfunction in the AFC South. Oh, my gosh. I mean, during the offseason, 
thinking about what it was going to be like in Houston. They really defied everything. And I think Indianapolis, Jim Ursay right now, I guess, really dealing with some uh, difficulty health-wise. Um, but they won with Gardner Minshew. And, and now you look at Tennessee, man. Um, and obviously around here, there's quite a few questions. So it's going to be a, a very intriguing offseason, this entire NFC, uh, entire NFC South. The only thing you know about the AFC South is that you got four really young quarterbacks, and Trevor Lawrence is by far the old, uh, the elder statesman. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, in that you look at um, Rand Carthon, the GM in Tennessee, the former Gator, obviously. The connections he had with San Francisco, one of his main connections is that young offensive coordinator in Houston that's going nuts. Bobby Slowick, I believe is his name. Ben so mentioned. Titan Media is connecting the dots there. You hurt Tennessee, or you hurt Houston, rather, by taking their offensive coordinator away to go to Tennessee. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I'm happy Vrabel's out of the division. He was a good coach, and I think Tennessee probably made a mistake today, to be honest. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Before we get to what's coming up tonight, I, I was reading this right before I went on the air. The the odds to be the next head coach of the Tennessee Titans, Mike McDonald, much mm-hmm. talked about defense coordinator. Belichick is three to one, four to one. Then it's uh, Slowick, mm-hmm. five to one, to become the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Is McDonald the guy in Miami? Uh, defensive coordinator, formerly in Philadelphia, I believe he is uh, there. Or because I believe he also has ties to Carthon somewhere along the line. There are two guys that were mentioned to me and they both interacted with Carthon at some point in his career but I mean from a Jaguar point of view look you get he's knocked- in Baltimore oh he's in Baltimore okay he he's replaced in Baltimore. Wink Martindale yeah right right the Miami coordinator is the one that has ties with Carthon but from a Jaguar point of view you lose to a team that is this dysfunctional 48 hours later yeah man it's just uh that, that pours a little bit of salt into the wound. Yeah, Baltimore is, is re- well-represented here, and Michigan is well-represented here as well. Of course, he had been at Michigan, and and the other youngster, he's only 40 years of age, uh, the name skates me, the guy who uh, actually you know ran the defense last night for Michigan when they won the national title, he's being mentioned as well as a uh, possibility to take over as the new defensive coordinator, one of several candidates that I've seen not only here, but around the NFL as well. And certainly that will happen if, um, you know, as expected, if uh, uh, Harbaugh does end up leaving and going to the NFL. His name is Jesse Minter. Mm-hmm. So only 40 years of age. All right, what's coming up? Yeah, a lot of Jaguars obviously still trying to put the pieces together on what exactly happened. The Josina Anderson tweet earlier today was interesting uh, regarding the Jaguars. We'll certainly get into that. And then uh, – Who do you think it was? I have an idea. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to throw out a name. Okay. But, okay. But, uh, I have an idea, too, but it's one of those deals where I'm not going to throw a name out there if, if you right. don't know. Um, we'll talk. I, yeah. I, have, I have an idea who right. it was. It right. can only be one of, I guess, 10 people, right? Mm-hmm. You got a 10% chance. If people don't know what we're talking about, I assume they do. What was the quote? The solutions are leaving and the problems Problem are staying is what one a departing Jaguar coach said about what the Jaguars are doing. So a lot of Jaguar talk. And then college football, hey, it's a new era. Season ended last night. Now, from August 24th to January 20th, this next season, five months of college football, including a month of playoff action. So it is a new day in the world of college football. We'll talk to Brent Beard about it tonight. All right, Hack. Have a lot of fun. That's coming up right now. Uh, Hacker after dark. That'll do it for us. Thank you for everyone tonight. I don't check the text line out. The show is over. 
you want to get a hold of me, do it on Twitter. That's W1010XL. The rest of the week, let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. That's 6 to 8 tomorrow night, Thursday and Friday as well. Get this rain out of here. Get this cold out of here. Take us back to Florida in the sun. For J.J. LaSalva, my name is Rick Ballou. We'll talk tomorrow night at 6, right here in your home of the Jags. 